You're listening to the Fedora Chronicles radio show podcast, episode number 42, volume 2, episode 1. This is the official podcast from the website dedicated to recapturing the style and spirit of a bygone era, as well as exploring your own adventures uh, from the realms of the unknown, or just chatter about your own daily life. This week on the Fedora Chronicles radio show podcast, Doug Palumbo and I catch up on what's been happening over the summer, ranging from blockbusters to the news and politics that peripherated the mainstream media the past couple of months. We also spent some time catching up on what we've been up to since our last podcast. The Fedora Chronicles radio show podcast is brought to you through our link to Amazon.com. Click our Amazon link on our webpage or forum, and we get a little kickback from it with no extra added cost to you. You get what you want from Amazon, and they give us some nickels and dimes to pay for the kilowatts. Hey, how about that? This podcast is also brought to you by our Zazzle page, where you can get coffee mugs, t-shirts, tote bags, and barbecue aprons with our logos and slogans on them. Search for The Fedora Chronicles by going to Zazzle.com. Once again, here I am with Doug Palumbo. When people come back from a long hiatus for a podcast, what what do people usually talk about? Like, uh, uh, so how was your summer, Doug? Yeah, I guess it was. Eh, all the podcasts I listen to, I guess, are along those lines. They kind of catch up on what was going on, what's been happening. Um, I guess it depends on the show. Um, uh, gosh, we haven't done one for a really long time. Yeah, you know what the uh, thing is, is is that, uh, you know, just to let everybody know who is listening to this, um, what I'm going to do is, um, starting now, is that I'm going to record a podcast, and I am just going to, this is it, this is the way it is, I'm not going to edit it out, and it's all going to be spontaneous, and I'm just going to put this up on the web, um, with the exception of, like, uh, the music bumpers and whatnot. So, uh, for people who don't know, this is the Fedora Chronicles radio show. I am your host, Eric Render. King Fisk, and ta- I am talking with the infamous Doug Palumbo. Yes, the Doug Palumbo. Um, he starts his day just like everybody else. He puts his pants on one leg at a time, but when he's done, he uh, uh, he makes gold records. So, little cowbell reference for you there. So, anyway, mm-hmm. so what was what? What are all the things that we said we were going to talk about, but we never did? Golly, jeez, that's a long list. Um, Everything from, uh, you know, what we've been doing this summer to the Kennedy assassination to alien life to all kinds of stuff. Let's start with something I think is really more important than anything else. How was the summer movie um, um, buffet this year? How were were the summer movies and what did you see and what did you actually like? Let's see. I'm trying to remember. We didn't go to the movies that often i haven't seen ant-man no uh, which is really bad on my part uh i haven't seen mission impossible i uh, have i have but is go it ahead good? uh no we'll talk about that uh, after you tell me about all the all the movies that you 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 didn't see or you did see you know we should also throw in netflix everything that's on netflix that you've seen or yeah watched. i've seen a lot of netflix i tell you the big well I'll, I'll go to Netflix in a second because that's going to take up a big time, I think. But um, uh, what have I seen? I'm trying to. I saw uh, Snowpiercer. 
All right. Have you heard of that? I did. I have heard of it. It's it's on yeah. my queue to watch with the kids when the when the wife is out of town and since she is on a on a trip to uh, the other side of the country, we are going to binge watch on all the guys' movies that we're not allowed to watch when she's in the house. <laughs> yeah, we watched No Pierce. We actually um, all four of us watched it. My two boys, myself, and my wife, and um, it was it was violent. I can't say that it was so violent that it was offensive or anything. I mean, it was tame compared to some movies, but it was it, it it's strange because it was like a really good science fiction movie, but was also a bit of a a dark comedy. Like I, it it had to be intentional because it was too well done for it to be accidental. Um, but and I wasn't. It must be a good movie because it took me a long time to understand whether I liked it or not. And uh, you know, and when movies make me think like that, it, it tends to be a good movie, at least in my eyes. So I have to say, I I enjoyed it. It has very strong. Uh, very strong social commentary and um any good science fiction i guess is um has has that element um that that's overall though i think uh i liked seeing um chris evans in a role that wasn't captain america i mean he's still kind of a hero in the movie but uh you know he's the main character he's not going to be a second banana so that's not giving anything away but um he's a different kind of hero and uh i'd recommend it if you like science fiction and uh if you like sort of the humor is along the lines it's not the same but the only thing i can compare it to that even comes close would be uh, american werewolf in london I love where that it's movie. a horror movie but it's also really funny in an uncomfortable way Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, the thing is, is I, I really want to jump on the bandwagon and um, I don't want to let this slip out of the ether without actually like addressing this. We are recording this like the day after we heard news of Wes Craven's passing. Yes. And the thing is, you say horror movies and on an occasion like this, we have to talk about horror movies, especially since autumn is coming. And that is the perfect season for horror movies. So the question I have for you is, what do you think that Wes Craven has done for the horror movie genre? And how much do you think he would be missed? And obviously, what's your favorite Wes Craven movie? I'm not I'm not good at these sorts of questions because I'm not uh, a big horror file. Um, I, I, I enjoy I enjoy old horror movies like I'm not saying as old as the original Dracula. I mean, I enjoy those, but like movies from the 80s, uh, the 80 decade where you had things like um, Nightmare on Elm Street. That's a Wes Craven movie. Yes, it is. And it's it's scary. It's gory. It has all these elements, but it has um, as as silly as it may sound, it, it, it has a reason to be that way. Um, I really don't watch horror movies now. Um, I can't remember the last modern one I saw. I haven't seen any of the Saw movies uh, or Hostel or anything like that because I feel like those movies, and I haven't seen them, so it's hard for me to make a comment on them, but I know people that watch them, and it's like they they seem to be, and I could be wrong, but they seem to be violent and bloody and gory and really graphic for 
the sake of just because they can. And I'm not saying that Nightmare on Elm Street wasn't like that, but all of the violence and the gore fit into a um, reason for the movie. And it seemed that the... Uh, See, I'm, I'm trying to articulate it well. It, it, it seemed that... that as silly as it sounds, there was an innocence to those movies, and they, um, you know, you knew they were fake, not because they had supernatural right. characters. Maybe that was part of it. Like you have Freddy and Jason, and you know uh, Mike Myers and all this, and um, from Halloween. But you know, you saw it and you knew it was fake. Kind of like watching a, a Looney Tunes cartoon or the Three Stooges. You know, yeah. You know, you're not going to watch Looney Tunes and then go back and strap your buddy to a giant rocket and, you know, shoot him into space or something like that because <laughs> you knew it was fake. Same with those movies. The movies nowadays, like I said, like Hostel, Saw, I've seen clips of them and they seem like really they strive to be hyper realistic and not in a fantasy way, but in a, you know, real way that is almost it's it's disturbing. And I guess maybe that's part of the point, but it's it makes it. Just not something I want to watch. Yeah, I, I think that there are two types of horror movies that um, that I'm aware of. And there is the sort of like the hyper reality movies like Saw, whereas it's like we're just going to show you just the ultimate gore and what we can do with special effects, whether it's prosthetics or uh, CGI. And then there's the other kind of uh, horror movie, whereas it's um, innocence versus the ultimate evil whereas it's like you have um a family moves into this house and there's something creepy in the house or a little girl buys this little magic box that has like the soul of of a of a evil child that died 200 years ago like an american haunting in connecticut or something like that and it's like those are the kind of movies that i really really enjoy and it's it, i i've had so many arguments about this um this concept whereas it's like it, it, it's like, and I'm going to use the word air quotes when I say good Christian. Um, if you're a quote, good Christian, unquote, you're not supposed to enjoy those movies. But the mm -hmm. thing is, is, is that the whole thing is, is that it's like you cannot have the ultimate triumph over evil if the evil is sort of like, like sort of tame. Right. And, and, and it was just like, there are those like really scary, get under your skin. Um, or it's like, there's the, these people who for no fault of their own, uh, they're um, they're troubled and bothered by satanic forces or or evil spirits, um, and uh, it, they have to like you know so if, you know find help and find a way to um, to, to f fight off these evil. And then when they succeed at the end, you're still sort of like creeped out. But yet at the other end, it's sort of like yeah, you know what? Good one again and it was just like not to get off on a tangent like um in in many ways you know raiders of the lost ark is like a like a horror movie because there's a lot of horrible things that happen there and there's like a lot of gore but it all sort of fits the it, it, it fits fit, the narrative of the story it fits the narrative of the story 
And the thing is, is that is that you can you can watch and enjoy a movie like you know Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it's like in the bad guy at the end, the bad guys, you know, one guy gets his head blown off, another guy has his you know head shrank into his throat, and the other guy his face melts off, and it's like you, you kind of like that because well, I mean they're the bad guys and they had it coming, right? They and, deserve it, and they deserve it, and it's like a lot of things like with like really good quality horror movies, I think not slasher slasher films, but the psychological ones whereas it's like you're dealing with uh, the kind of um, just the classic evil forces and it was like and I think we almost sort of like need to sort of like deal with um like the traditional horror themes we're even in a day of technology when it's like we think that we are the end all and be all on this planet and there are realms that we don't even understand which which movies from uh, that sort of that that part of the genre would you then recommend? Um, you know what I, I think I should do is like on the 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 web page for this podcast. I think that's why I should come up with a list of horror films that I think that um, really sort of fit the the horror genre of those sort of like fighting the supernatural forces, but the average, the average Joe who moves in, I think that there was this one, it was a sequel to American haunting in Connecticut. And it was, it was right along the same lines. I don't even know why they bothered to call it American haunting in Connecticut when it took place in another part of the country. I think it was like an Appalachia or something like that. These people moved into this neighborhood and it was like, it was like a, and it, it was, and there was, a, there was a haunting. I think it was, I think it, I think the title may have actually been American haunting. I'm not sure, but it, and it was like, it, it starred um, Katie Sackoff as one of the sisters who moves into this cabin in the middle of the woods. And it's like something awful happened in this air, in this specific area where the film takes place. And there's these spirits, who like need to like move on and 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 go to the other side or whatever the other side is and it's like it's and it's very much like poltergeist mm-hmm. And it was like, uh, I, I'm not sure because I don't have um, IMDb open up right now. Um, but I think Poltergeist is probably one of the best horror movies ever made, and I think it was rated PG. I'm not sure. I, I, it's a Steven Spielberg film. And, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll do the looking up while you keep talking. And I think that the thing about Poltergeist was that it was not gore for gore's sake. And it was not um, over the top or and it was not gratuitous. It was PG, by the way. It was PG. Mm-hmm. Poltergeist was a, is a PG film. The original one, not the remake that was released this past spring. No, 1982. 1982. And to this day, it is still the scariest film I think I have ever seen. Because it it, still works. It works on such a psychological level. It's not even Mm -hmm. funny. So, and it was just like, and I think that what what Wes Craven did... And I don't have no idea if this has anything to do with Poltergeist or anything like that. But I think that what Wes Craven did was create a genre of horror films with Nightmare on Elm Street, whereas you can have funny, interesting characters and you can have a you can have a psychotic supernatural villain who is like he's just an evil murderer. And yet at the same time, he's he's funny. And I don't think that we would have Heath Leather, Leather, yeah, Heath Ledger's Joker if it wasn't for Freddy Krueger. 
And I, I know some people are probably going to disagree with that, but I, I think I'm going to let that one stand. I, that, I, could, I could see where you're going with that. I'm uh, looking at Wes Craven's IMDb page, and there are things that he did that I had no idea. Like, I had no idea that he was involved. He directed, and um, let me see if he wrote it. And wrote Swamp Thing in 1982. Yeah, I I, I actually saw I, that. I know that. And it was just like, but, but I don't consider that a, a horror movie per se. No, not at all. But it's just, you know, one of these things where it's like a, it's a classic, you know, sci-fi superhero movie. And um, I had no idea he was involved. I mean, lots of great B psychological movies. Like you have The Hills Have Eyes and... Yeah. Uh, Stranger in in our house. It was a TV movie, but I I remember some of these and you know then he did you know something like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and then Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color. Yeah, and it was just like um, I think one of the um, the scariest movies I have ever seen in the theater um, was Serpent in the Rainbow. That's yeah. And it was just like and that really sort of deals with the entire genre of zombies. And it was just like but it's like it it just doesn't like um, it's not like The Walking Dead or the zombies that we know like today. It has a lot to do with um, voodoo. Uh, it has a lot to do with a smartass from New York City or or some something like that, like an anthropologist like like wants to go um go down south and to dispel all of this uh this nonsense shenanigans about voodoo and then he gets caught up in it and then uh something horrible happens to him and and it was just like it's uh when i saw it it was it was one of those things where it's like i could i i could not go to sleep and i and it's like i stayed up well into the next morning i think i saw it on us on a friday night and it's like I stayed up like all night wondering, like any little noise um, in the uh, in the other part of the apartment house where I was living in, like would like make me just like not bolt out of bed, but just like would keep my eyes wide open and remain like absolutely, totally, perfectly still. And it's like I think that that is that is exactly what a really good horror movie does. It just it scares you to the point where it gets underneath your skin. And it gives you something really like scary to um, to overcome. It gives you mm-hmm. like the opportunity to overcome your fears. And it's like and and uh, I don't remember the name of the TV show, but there was this one episode where um, um, the cast and crew were dealing with the, the the concept of fear, and fear wants to be conquered. Sure. And I think that's like what a lot of people um, don't want to actually deal with. But um, but here's something it's like I think we need to deal with. And talking about the, talking about the ultimate horror, Josh Duggar, and the revelations about his Ashley Madison account. You know, uh, I I know that was a that was a pretty uh, that was a pretty slick segue there, but uh, I I haven't really followed it that. Uh, I put them in the same realm as the Kardashians in that I have no uh, no interest at all. Um, you know, they have uh, the whole Ashley Madison thing, even before this, just it's it's repulsive. And, you know, it's just not something that interests me. Never 
got, you know, you know, people thought it was funny and whatever. I, I don't I find it, you know, morally corrupt. But, you know, people do what they do and it's their business, not mine. But with this whole Duggar family thing, I never watched the show. And, um, you know, I know he did some horrible things, you know, when he was younger. And it's just, you know, I'm not trying to be ignorant. It's just that, you know, these reality shows, um, breed a certain kind of people regardless of how they portray themselves or how they want to be seen they breed a certain kind of people and eventually you know for the most part i think it's not good yeah and they make people that are you know they make either nobodies into quote unquote somebody like the kardashians or they make nobodies and by nobodies i mean you know people of of uh, no known, um, no known talent, no known talent or reason to be famous. You know, they they make them feel like they have talent and fame. Um, and you know, if if the Duggars want to have twenty kids or however many kids they have, that's their business, not mine. But it's not something that needs to be, you know, uh, put on television. And it's. <laughs> It's ex- I don't follow it. It's exploited for ratings, and I think the, the 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 entire issue that I have with all of these reality TVs is like pick anybody. Either it's like it's the Osbournes or the Kardashians, um, the Biggest Loser, which I've really gotten sick and tired of in the past couple of years. I mean, just pick any reality TV show. You pluck these people out of obscurity, or you take these people who used to be somebody and then put them in a brand new environment and and, do, and go through these wacky, crazy things for ratings. And then, well, and then and then let's see what happens. What's the you know? And it's like let's put these people in situation and like what's the worst that can happen survivor another perfect example but you have this character josh duggar who lectures or lectured the country on morality and it was just like i i I don't i don't care what side of the bread you butter i i don't care which team you're hitting and pitching for I, i don't care and it was just like whatever you were beliefs are those are your beliefs but what i don't think that it's appropriate is that you have this character who was this this guy wasn't even born until after i graduated high school and and it's like this and he's such a little arrogant little pup and Mm -hmm. he and none of his views are based in like the reality of real real life and it is like he I mean, this this is like a little bubble boy who was like who was who was sheltered and was kept away from just having a normal childhood. And he's wagging wagging the finger saying, don't do this. Don't do this. America is an immoral country. And it's like it's almost like almost like Fred Phelps, almost pretty close, almost. And the thing is, this guy like spewed all this hatred towards people who are immoral and then turn around and it's like first for the first revelation is that he molested two uh, four of his sisters okay that was bad enough 
Then you come to find out that he had an Ashley, Mad- not one, two Ashley Madison accounts. And while his wife was pregnant with his um, his latest kid, he, he was he was having affairs with women that he met on Ashley Madison. And then you have this revelation from one of these magazines, and it's a tabloid. I don't know if it's true or not. This guy paid to have sex with a porn star. And you're telling me about morality? You're, you're trying to tell me about morality? I'm not the most perfect husband in the world. And I, I have done my fair of screw-ups. And I've done a lot of things in the past to jeopardize my relationship. But the thing is, is like, I realized what I did wrong. And I said, hey, listen, I'm sorry. I screwed up. We, we got to fix this. Not just right. for the kids, but for us. And I think every husband in the listening audience has been through this. Sure, nobody's perfect, and you know uh, we, we all screw up. But you know, you 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 know draw the line clearly at uh, cheating. And I mean, there there are many lines that are bad to cross, but you know, cheating is one of the worst. And in in terms of a marriage, and I don't know. That's you know that's kind of going with what I was saying before that you know these reality shows by people watching them and people producing them make these uh, the people on the shows feel uh, I'm not gonna say untouchable but certainly uh, gives them a a false sense of uh, of worth I guess maybe I'm not sure I don't even know how to. I think, they, I think they have a false sense of invincibility. Maybe. And then they are then emboldened to say, you know, he probably truly believes the things he was saying. And um, probably, I mean, again, I don't know. I haven't watched a show, but going by what I've heard, it's like, you know, uh, probably truly believed it. And that's why he... Uh, professed it so much because he was doing the wrong as well. So he was really, I think, in in a way, speaking to himself as opposed to speaking to everybody else. Because you know, you you can't do that stuff and not feel guilty. Absolutely not. And if you and if you do feel if you do do it and don't feel guilty, then not only, there's something really wrong with you. I mean, there's something wrong with you for doing that to be cheating. But if you feel no guilt or remorse, then, you know, I don't know what to say, but you got some bigger problems. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think the ultimate nightmare is to have this secret that that is eventually exposed. And then not only not only does his wife know it, but the rest of the world knows it. Mm-hmm. And it was just like. And I'm sure that there were some sleepless night, nights before this this happened. And he was just like, oh, my God. It's like if, if the world knew what kind of person who I really was. And then not only would this hurt me, but this would like this would hurt the entire family dynasty. And it was just like, what's going to happen? And it was just like, okay, well, everybody knows about like me molesting my sisters. Okay, uh, all right, well, but at least they don't know about the other three. Right. And then all of a sudden, like they know about your big secret number two. Okay, well, okay, well, but at least they don't know about the worst one. And then they find out like about the worst one, and it was just like it was. It's not even. It's not even what he did. It was his behavior before that, saying you you are an immoral, corrupt person because you believe people should be allowed to do this, that, and the other thing. And 
then it turns out that he's he's been doing far worse. And I think that what uh, so many people have said that what really disturbs a lot of people is the, is the hypocrisy. It, but is it is it really that unexpected? I mean, look at who we put up on pedestals. You know, are we really that surprised? And maybe because I don't really watch these shows that I'm not surprised. But are we really that surprised that, you know, stuff like this eventually happens? You know, well, I think that the, the entire thing is that uh, I think that the whole thing is, is that the way that this kid was raised, um, and that, I mean, he was like kept in an isolated bubble. And it's like, I'm not saying that, um, I'm not saying that you should expose your kid to all this horrible stuff out in the world. But I think that the thing is, is that at a very early age, you have to tell your kids, like, this is what's out there. This is what you should look at, not or look out for. And then um, if you have any problems, come come see me and, and, and we'll deal with it. And I think that it's like people were already angry with the with the molestation cover up and the idea that that Jim Bob Duggar had kept that all aside and hidden and it kept that under wraps. And not only not only was his sisters involved, but another girl outside the family. That's a crime. That's a crime. And it was swept underneath the rug. And it was like, okay, we were just getting over that. Or we hadn't even finished getting over that as far as like if you follow the media and the whole the the, the sister molestation thing is still sort of fresh in our minds. And then the Ashley Madison thing comes out and then the sex with the uh, the, the, the pay for sex with a porn star. Then that comes out. And it was just like, and it, it, there's so many of people, you know, out in the nether sphere who were already angry at this guy for lecturing us about morality. And then to turn out that he's doing this is just like, I, I don't think people could stand it for, I, I don't. And it's just like, and I think these people are done. I think that the whole Duggar family, I think they're done. I think they're well, just, they're, nobody's going to want to listen to them anymore. Nobody wants to pay to listen to them speak. It, I think they're done. And I think that that's, that there is the ultimate, that's the ultimate punishment because all sure. of these people know it's this guy's fault well i'm not trying to sound pompous or anything but you know like i said what do you expect when you put your faith in uh you know but to use a you know christian way of speaking these false idols you know of course you're going to be let down and disappointed and uh i'm not saying that all these people that are on reality tv are bad people because they're certainly not but when you give them that much when you give anybody that much uh, attention and you know power, so to speak, it, it, it's going to affect them. And whether they were like that before or not, or you know they became that way after the show became popular, it's like you know we're all human. And you know, like I said, when you give that much attention to something uh, that is. Uh, not worthwhile, in my opinion, then, you know, you reap what you sow. Exactly. Exactly. I, I th- and I think that it was just like, I, th- I think that, I think that the shocker is that this happened, like, all of a sudden. It was just instantaneous. Well, like it didn't that. happen all of a sudden. It, we just found out about it all of a sudden. No, no, it was all released all, all pretty much all at once. And right. it was just like, and the thing is, is that, but this has been, this has been the dream of all the news networks, because the thing is, is that the summer, it's pretty slow unless there's a natural disaster and there's nothing to talk about. 
And it's like, you know that there are people in the newsrooms who are like, please, dear Lord, give me some kind of scandal, any kind of scandal, any kind of celebrity scandal. Please, dear Lord, I won't ask for anything again until next summer. Please, please, our ratings are so low. Please, dear God, give us give us a good scandal. And then it happens. And then it was Mm -hmm. just like it is like it's like ants on spilled sugar on the counter. I mean, oh, they trip over themselves trying to report this, you know, quote unquote news. And it's just that's part of the reason. Listen, I'm not saying I watch shows like um, in terms of reality television. Uh, I'm it's a guilty pleasure. I love cops um, like uh, uh, Rocky Mountain Law. I don't know why, but those those shows, I think they're good and um, good in a way of entertaining. And, you know, they're mindless mind candy. But it's, uh, you know, it's still reality television, but it's reflecting stuff that really does happen. Um, These other reality shows, and maybe I'm justifying it, but these other reality shows, and I can't think of one where it wouldn't be the case, you know, you're, they're not reality shows, they're manufactured uh, entertainment. Yeah. And... I don't know. I don't know how they became so popular in such a relatively short amount of time. Um, but it's just, uh, I mean, people would be better served to watch, you know, something else, anything else. Re- reruns of Golden Girls or something would be <laughs> far better than any of this stuff. Any, any, any documentary. As a matter of fact, there's um, uh, if and when we do this next week, because I, I really want to spend an entire uh, podcast talking about um, a series of documentaries that uh, that I've been watching. And the entire theme is what happens when the lights go out. And there's one that I that I watched about the great um, uh, blackout in New York City. And I think it was, geez, I think it was 78, maybe. And it was just like, like, what happens to people who are crammed in, in, in a small amount of space and, and you turn out the lights and there's no electricity and what happens? Well, they're going to turn on each other like Oh, we turn. Oh, and it's like, and it happened up here in New Hampshire when we had the ice storm in in 2008. Mm -hmm. And it was just, and the way people like turned on each other, like there were two, there were literally, there were literally two classes of people. And I hate to, I hate to be so black and white about this. There are, there are two classes of people. There are the people who were like, I'm going to help everybody out no matter what, no matter, I'm going to give till it hurts. And then there were the other class of people who were like, I'm going to exploit the situation. And I'm going to do whatever it is I have to do to survive because we don't know when the electricity is going to be turned on. And that shocked me. That really shocked me. And I think that it was just like um, it's it's and it's like it's like everything about everything that we've talked about in this podcast so far. We love to see how bad things can get in any way, shape or form and see how people bounce back from that. And I, and I think I think that that's that is the human condition. And it was just like and that's why we love good drama. We love horrible, horrible things that happen to good people and see how that they bounce back from it or give people an impossible task and see how they take care of it. And well, on, on that note, to go back to your original um, thought, what is your um, favorite uh, Wes Craven 
film or film of that nature that deals in those uh, um, tenants. Um, if I if I had to choose just one Wes Craven movie that I think everybody should probably see, if, if people were looking to cel- celebrate the life of Wes Craven and honor Wes Craven this week, I, I think that you would have to see his lesser known films. Mm-hmm. Um, Serpent in the Rainbow is by far, I think the like the best, the best movie to watch to to celebrate the life of Wes Craven. I think what, I think the the greatest non-Wes Craven horror film, Poltergeist, like we said before. Um, for me, it's a coin toss between The Omen, mm-hmm. which I reviewed before, uh, and The Exorcist. And it's like those are two movies that deal with very similar issues. And it was just like, and it, it's, and it, they're heart wrenching, they're gut wrenching films to watch. And it was just like, in some way, shape, or form, yeah, good survives in the end. But it was just like, you have to be vigilant. Like, even mm-hmm. though this evil has been defeated, you know that it will come up, pop up one way, shape, or another. So we have to be vigilant against the fight against evil. Perfect Halloween material. Um, and speaking about other scary things, uh, another another fabulous segue into the political candidates. And oh, I only boy. want and I only want to talk about I only want to talk about one political candidate. Kanye West, because he's Kanye West. Kanye West for president. 2020. Uh, no, but I uh, we didn't talk about this ahead of time, but I know you're referencing Donald Trump. I loved Donald Trump as a TV personality during The Apprentice. I loved watching his show. I never saw it. He is so pompous and so arrogant and so full of himself, and he just does he does not know how to talk into a microphone. Now There's, is it is he like that? Is he like that because of because, like I said, there's a lot of popular shows that I've never seen, not because I'm special, but because I just would rather watch um, Doc Martin or Downton Abbey or any documentary on World War Two or something along those lines. But. Uh, is he is he like that because that's who he is as a person or that's who he created as a character? Um, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to dial it back a couple of years and qualify my remarks by saying this. I used to have this crazy theory about celebrities. I'll tell you, and my favorite example was Britney Spears, mm-hmm. Britney Jean Spears from Louisiana played a character on TV in the videos and her entire persona of Britney Spears pop star. Mm-hmm. And at some point, Britney Jean Spears from Louisiana forgot that she was Britney Jean Spears from Louisiana. And she really thought that the persona that she was playing was the real Britney Spears and the, the little cute, adorable girl from Louisiana just disappeared just vanished and she became she became a caricature of herself same thing with michael jackson michael jackson became was this really talented performer who just turned into a freak show and the thing is is that it got to a point whereas the the product the music 
was just simply a byproduct of his wacky personality. I think that Donald Trump, after he was interviewed a couple of times on um, the New York Times or the local television or whatever, and it was just like, wow, I really enjoy my getting my ass kicked by these people with cameras and microphones. I, I'm going to do whatever I can to, to keep this up. And I think that Donald Trump, the entrepreneur, somehow, someway was, was killed internally. Like the id fighting the super id and super ego. I think that one of his personas took ki- over. killed the other one. I don't think the real Donald Trump, the guy who made a fortune, went bankrupt and then made a fortune again... Um, in New York City with, and, and elsewhere with all of his casinos. I, I think that that is just a byproduct of his really crazy, wacky personality. And it was just like, I know I'm not saying anything new, but I do think that the reason why Donald Trump is so popular in the polls right now, um, it has everything to do with the fact that he is not politically correct. He says it exactly the way... Um, he know he's saying exactly what people want to hear, and it was just like it's not that it's not what Eric Fisk wants to hear, but it's I want to hear what Donald Trump really thinks, unedited, unscripted, not politically correct, and just say it. But it's entertainment, or it's right. But do you really think that it's unscripted and uh, and unfiltered, or do you think it's highly scripted and? expertly filtered so that he says and acts in a way that uh, continues that character you know because is is he like again is he really like that or is he acting and saying acting that way and saying those things because he that's what are it's riling the people up and there he's he's playing to their expectations I don't think Donald Trump even knows the answer to that you know, and it's like that's a, he probably he might not, but it's like I, I, I'm not saying that he hasn't said things that have been thought provoking or has said hasn't said things that um, other candidates should have said. But it's it's not what he's saying; it's how he's saying it. And um, as as popular as he seems to be, he it's just that. That over-the-top, you know, bombastic, uh, just un when it, when he unfurls his mouth and and speaks, it's just that. I, again, it's not what he says; it's how he says it, and it's a complete. I'm not a prude, or you know, a you know, or politically correct by any stretch of the imagination. Just, I don't know. It's just not something that I can. I I haven't been as excited by him as people seem to think I would be. They always, oh man, did you hear what Trump said? Oh, I bet you love it. I'm like, no, I really haven't paid attention because I I I, I can be very um, boisterous and and loud mouth as the next guy sometimes, um, but you know, I I just don't pay attention. I will tell to you. Him. 
I, I, I will tell you that um, when I think of Donald Trump becoming president, I think of a uh, plot line in a Superman comic when Lex Luthor was running for president. That's exactly what it would be. And that, yeah. that's not good for the country. People say, oh, he'd be great for the country because he is going to say and do things that everybody else is afraid to say and do. And that might be true. And some of it might turn out to be OK. But I, yeah. You can't have somebody like that with that kind of uh, diarrhea of the mouth and be, you know, uh, you know, running negotiations for some kind of nuclear deal with Iran. Jeez, my wife said the exact same thing this weekend. Wow. Um, But but here's the thing. It's like, first of all, if Donald Trump becomes president, uh, I guarantee you that the ratings for all of his speeches and all of his press conferences, I think the ratings are going to go through the roof because it'll be just so entertaining and so over the top. And people like being angry at politicians and celebrities. But. And I, 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 I under, I'm not trying to be confrontational, but and I understand where you're going with this. No, go for it. Be confrontational. But, but it's like, who cares about the ratings? How about, you know, getting a president that is not afraid to do, you know, roll up his sleeves and get his hands dirty, but also a president who's willing to talk to both sides and uh, or any side for that matter and really discuss things in an open way not behind closed doors and um but in a in a thoughtful open way and i people say i you know trump for president no way <laughs> i mean but, i don't i don't know who i would pick well, at and this that's point my problem game, but not him that's my problem because i look at the entire range of people who are on the stage right now running for president nobody Nobody has caught my attention yet. Nobody on the Republican side, nobody on the Democrat side. And I think that for our next podcast, I think the next person we should talk about is Bernie Sanders. Um, I think I could I think I could do 20 minutes on Bernie Sanders. But the thing is, is that um, the only people who care about Donald Trump becoming president are the same people that we talked about earlier. As far as in the media, they they they, look, they want somebody who is charismatic, who is over the top and who is going to sell papers and magazines and and traffic on their websites and, and and ratings. You're going to you are going you are going to not you, Doug Palumbo, you in the generic nonspecific. Right. You are going to tune in because of this horrible president who is just a disaster as far as like like foreign policy. And the thing is, is that he loves to say things that cheese people off, knowing full well that he's going to get attention. And you know that he's going to he, he's going to he's going to be a hard liner. But that's not a good – I'm not saying being a hardliner is necessarily a bad thing, but all the stuff, doing it for the attention and the ratings and selling papers and magazines and web traffic, that's great for those people. But it does nothing for the country. It's horrible for the country. But I, I will say this. I, I'll stand by my thoughts on reality TV and that it's uh, just you know, candy that rots your brain. Yep. And my thoughts on Donald Trump, but I kid you not, I will pay good money to watch a debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. <laughs> Joe Biden's Holy another crap. one. Holy uh, crap. If, yeah. if, if, this, if this Donald Trump thing has any legs, and I know I'm just contradicting myself now, I cannot wait for Joe Biden to get into the 
race and I'm just oh it's going to be so good I, 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 that goes against everything I just said but can you imagine Donald Trump and Joe Biden you have in the, a debate You ha- here's one even better Doug one even better you have Donald Trump the misogynist pig who is who is unhinged politically incorrect up against Hillary Clinton on the debate floor and it was just like you will see you will see an elder elderly entrepreneur with crazy hair get smacked by the crazy lady from Arkansas i mean i promise you he will say something that will provoke her and it in was, the end there can be only one exactly and I, I think that, that I think that, that would be it, it would be amazing inter- entertainment, but it would be horrible for the country. So, oh. so totally horrible. And it, it just occurred to me um, talking about impossible things that will never happen. Uh, I, uh, I I I haven't done this in a very very long time. Um, my son and I had um, uh, my son t- uh, Tumblefisk, known as Tumblefisk on the uh, on the forums and the interwebs. Mm-hmm. My youngest son, um, he and I were alone for a weekend because my son Carpetop and my wife uh, went down to help out with uh, the in-laws down uh, further south. And right. so the thing is that we had my son and I had nothing to do, so we went to go see two movies on the same day in the theater. And yes, we we bought tickets for for each show. Um, Man from Uncle and okay. Mission Impossible: uh, Rogue Nation. Let me let, let me let me stop you right there for a second, not to interrupt your story. Um, and we we haven't done a podcast for a, a long while, so I, I know this one has been jumping around a little bit, but uh, until we you know find our legs again. But uh, Man from Uncle, um, it, when I saw that Army Hammer was going to play the Russian, I had no interest at all. Because he, how he, uh, well, it wasn't totally his fault, but how, what his part was in um, destroying the Lone Ranger, and that's a topic for another podcast, maybe. But I, uh, you know, my very strong feelings on the Lone Ranger, very and strong, so, uh, very strong. I was completely uh, not interested in this movie, even though I thought I liked the 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 idea that they're going to make it a period piece, and Henry Cavill's going to be in it, and it it seems like an interesting movie when i saw the trailer i i i don't know what you think of the movie because i haven't seen it but when i saw the trailer even though army hammers and i go wow if 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 anything that was a well put together trailer You, you know when they they have trailers and it was like wow this looks like a great movie and then you sit down and you go see the movie and then it's like you realize that all the great stuff that they had in the movie they stuffed in the trailer and the mm-hmm. movie's been spoiled. Mm-hmm. This is not that movie. No, <laughs> I mean, you, thing, I see what you did there. You were gonna. I thought you were gonna go. That's this movie. No, this is absolutely not that movie. It was. Um, I, I don't know how you feel about Guy Ritchie. I loved. Um, I loved his Sherlock Holmes movies, and I loved his take on the character. I loved what he did with the period film. Um, I love the fact that it was it really sort of kept within the theme of the early 1960s pop culture um, and how it looked authentic. 
Um, but I can I can tell you right now, I probably I probably know more about clothes and fabric than I should for a straight man. And I can tell you they did not use the same fabrics from the 1960s in, in this movie. They did not they did not go crazy with the polyester. Because the oh, thing is, because because everybody looked comfortable and they were not sweating and they did not look like like they did not look like they were suffering. And there's something about polyester that just is just awful and dreadful. And it's like well, you could, just the trailer really it looks funny and sexy and like just spot on period. And you know, from what I remember, the TV show it looks. Um, like the 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 tone looks accurate, and it looks smart, and just really hip, and even with Army Hammer in it, who I will say completely despise because of the Lone Ranger, um, even him, I go, damn it, I want to see that movie now. It, it's because it, one of the things I thought was amazing was that for the two hours that we were in the theater, I totally forgot that other guy played Superman in Man of Steel. I totally mm-hmm. forgot about that. I, I That means it's a good movie. I totally, for, I, I mean, um, when Hugh Grant was on the movie, I, I, I totally forgot about all the other stuff that he did in the past. Mm-hmm. I totally forgot about all those other movies. This thing is just so engrossing. Yet at the same time, it, they play home. Ho, they play um, homages to uh, all the other spy films from from that era. They have nods to James Bond. They have they have nods to um, all the other spy films from that era. But the thing is, is like they don't do these wink and nods to the original Man from Uncle. And okay. it was like, and it was, it's like, hey, look, this is serious. What would, what would happen if former Nazis built uh, a nuclear weapon in the 1960s? And, and they, and how would they use it against their former, their former rivals, the Americans and the Russians? How, and what would you do about that? Um, and it was just like, and I, I know that Mission Impossible Rogue Nation got better ratings on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and I, I, I liked Mission Impossible. Um, I, I, I love the entire premise, whereas horrible things are happening to the IMF, and this could be their last mission because of all the screw-ups and the blunders that Tom Cruise's character has done in the past. And it, and it, 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 it was, by, I think it was by far, it was the edgiest Mission Impossible movie mm-hmm. that, I, that I think that, I, I, that, I've, that I've ever seen. It was very, it was very gritty, and it was, um, um, and the woman playing, you can look this up on IMDb, the woman playing um, the, the female lead in this movie, um, she, she was, she's our age. She was age appropriate. She's not some 20-something just off of Dawson's Creek playing Tom Cruise's love interest. She's a woman our age. And, Rebecca Ferguson? Huh? Yes, Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca Ferguson was phenomenal. I don't know why she's not. I, I don't understand why she's not a superstar. I don't understand that. She was amazing in this film. And, and everything in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation is like they hit every beat exactly just right. Mm. But I still liked Man From U.N.C.L.E. a little better. Well, I have to say, 
again, we're going off on tangents, but I think that's that's you know good after having not done this for a while. But the um, Tom Cruise, I, I've always found to be a little weird and strange. And then you know his his rants on Oprah, and then all the stuff with Scientology, and it's just he. I don't know him. I mean, he could be a great person, but he seems like a bit of a wacko. Um, but I saw um, oh a movie he did not too long ago uh, with Emily Blunt with uh, time travel. Uh, um, uh, live, die, repeat. Um, Come on now. It's, uh, sitting on the edge of tomorrow. Um, no, you have the interwebs there. I know I'm gonna have to look it up, but anyway, um, let's, I heard let's that was I heard that was a good movie. We were going to go see that in the theater, but I don't even remember what happened. Why can't I think of the name of that movie? Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. It's a great movie. A great. I mean, you know, uh, great is subjective, but it's a great. I thought it was fun, and going into it, not really being a fan of Tom Cruise, I didn't like Top Gun. Uh, you know, I thought A Few Good Men was really good. I didn't like Jerry Maguire all that much. I mean, call me weird, but I'm just not that big of a fan of his. I really liked Edge of Tomorrow. Um, and then I started looking at a few interviews of his. And, you know, it could be a put on. I don't know. But he really seems to care about the movie going audience. Yeah, he does. He does. And. You know, call him a weirdo or, you know, say what you want about uh, Scientology. But he really seems to care. And this could be a put on for the interviews. I don't know. But he says he watches at least one movie a day mm-hmm. and that he really people pay good money to go see his movies and he wants them to have the best time possible. And, you know, separating his you know, personal life, which I know very little of, only from what I hear in the media, which could be completely false. Right. I don't know. But separating that from his movie uh, career, I really started to appreciate him more. And, you know, like I said, what he's talked about, you know, caring about the audience. And, you know, there's been a lot said about the uh, stunts for uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation that he did. Uh, most of his own stunts he did the the i haven't seen the movie but he did the plane stunt where he's hanging on the side of a plane he did the water stunt um i guess there's there's a big water scene in the movie he learned how to hold his breath for like six minutes underwater or something like that seven minutes and it's like that just because he wanted it to be as real and authentic as possible and i even if everything they say about him is true about being you know all his you know private life stuff if all that's true, it's still that it just shows that he's committed and he cares, and I really respect that. Uh, and yeah, he might still be a weirdo, but I respect him as a filmmaker now. I don't think. Um, let's see, his the favorite. I think the best movie that Tom Cruise ever made that I actually like that I actually enjoy was Minority Report. I thought Minority Report was awesome. Um. But the thing is, is that um, I think that I think that Tom Tom Cruise is our um, should I say Cary Grant of our generation? Does that sound pompous? Well, um, no, I think that well, the two different, because they really didn't have action stars back then. You know, 
Yeah. You know, cause that's really he's done some dramas and some thoughtful movies, but most of them have been some sort of action movie of some kind or another. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, once you get into um, like Days of Thunder, you know, and then you have movies like, you know, Far and Away, yeah. A Few Good Men, dramas. But then they start getting into like he's mostly known for, um, you know, reading through his his biography here, or his uh, his uh, filmography. Uh, he probably has done more dramas than anything else, but he seems to be more more known for his action movies for some reason. Yeah. Like you, you think of Tom Cruise, you think of Mission Impossible, uh, War of the Worlds, Minority Report, um, like Top Gun, all, you know, high adrenaline movies. But then you got movies, like I said, like uh, Legend or Rain Man, where they're, you know, not action movies, really. Yeah. You know, they're more character pieces. I cannot, and, uh, be- I, I can't believe that the, that the actor who did Legend back in the 80s is the same guy who did Mission Impossible Rogue Nation that I just saw two weekends ago. And that, that kind of blows my mind because the thing is, those are two different movies and that he's able to do something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I know that this, this sounds sacrilegious and I know that we're, we're quickly approaching the, the, uh, the one hour mark. Um, but it's like, and I, what I really want to do is I want to, I want to, I want to tease the audience with what I want to talk about the next couple of podcasts we do. Um, I really want to talk about war of the worlds, not just, um, the Tom Cruise movie. Um, I just wrote a review for The Great Martian War, or The Martian War, written by Kevin J. Anderson. That's going to be up on the website shortly. Um, I want to talk about the original 1950-something George Powell version of War of the Worlds. I want to do an entire podcast as we get closer to Halloween. I want to do an entire podcast dedicated to H.G. Wells and the War of the Worlds and all the things that people got right and all the things that got wrong. but the, the, I think that the one thing that I think that it's important for me to also sort of say is that, because um, the thing is, is that, yeah, we're past the one hour mark. Um, one of the things I, I do want to say is, Doug, I really appreciate your, your love and support um, for the past couple of years while I went back to college. And I, and I put all this aside. And I, I really appreciate you really pushing me to get back into the podcast horse and get back to it and giving me the time that I needed to um, uh, to, to get my degrees. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate everybody who said, can't wait for you to do the podcast again. And I cannot thank you, Doug Palumbo, and everybody else for, for your love and support. Well, that what you need to do for yourself and your family is what's most important. And I'm, I'm glad we were finally able to uh, break the ice because it's, it's hard to get back um, back into podcasting or to do anything that you've not done for a while, uh, regardless of how, you know, because people I talk to that have, uh, you know, read the Fedora Chronicles or have listened to the podcast, uh, either my friends or family that have uh, done so or you know, people that I talk to on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, they're like, you know, when are you guys going to do the podcast again? And, uh, you know, it'll, it, it'll happen when it happens again. And I'm, I'm really glad that we've broken the ice and that um, maybe we can, uh, you know, do this on a semi-regular basis and, you know, try at different formats, have, you know, call-ins and questions and, absolutely, you know, 
so we'll we'll see. I'm glad to be uh, doing it again as well. This is this is going to be great, and I think that uh, I think I think our audience really has a lot to really look forward to now that we. Uh, I mean, we've actually invested a lot of time and money here. I was just showing off to Doug when we were doing a the the pre podcast chit chat. Um, I um, I spent a hundred and. The money's not important, but it's like $120 for this new audio soundboard. And it was just like, just so I can get the better quality audio from doing the podcast. And we got other little gadgets and widgets that we're, that we're getting so that you want to call into the, the Fedora Chronicles radio show. And what I would like to do is I'd like to, I'd like to say that there's a specific time every week that we're going to do the podcast. And... Like, let's just say, like, like, we'll just pick, like, today, a perfect example. Like, Monday at 4.45, we're going to start recording the podcast, and you can call in or Skype or whatever like that. And I think, I think that would be a really great way, because here's what I want to do. I want to do less politics. I know that sounds really, really hard for me, but I want to get, I want to talk more about the supernatural, and I want to start talking more about classic films. We'll just talk about whatever, whatever we feel like talking about that day, whatever's happening in the news. It'll just be an open format, maybe show people call in, talk yep. about what, what they want to talk about, like the Fedora Chronicles. If it's important to you, it's important to us. I think that that was such a great motto. I, I think we're going to have to bring that motto back. So, but anyway, uh, you know what? Here's here. Hey, I'm going to sign off and I'm going to say this. The first thing, this is the first time that I've said this in a while. And I think Doug, you need to work on your sign off signature too. Well, anyway, Hey, look, this is Eric Fisk, uh, signing off. Keep your chin up and your fedora's on and Doug. Talk to you next time. (laughs) All right, pal. This has been a great, great podcast. I'll talk to you a little bit. Well, that's it for this edition of the Fedora Chronicles radio show. Uh, Once again, the Fedora Chronicles radio show podcast is brought to you by Zazzle. Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. You can also support us by clicking through our Amazon.com link on all of our pages and forum topics. You shop at Amazon through our link, we get a little kickback. Finally, if you have some copy you would like me to read at the end of the podcast, or hey, even at the beginning of the podcast, let me know by getting in touch with us via Twitter, Facebook, or the forum. Uh, Got something you want the rest of the retrocentric world to know about? Let us help you by getting the word out via this podcast. So anyway, hey, with that said, thank you for listening. And this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off. Until next time, keep your chin up and your fedora on.